Welcome to I'm Game with Fred Croner. Today I am joined by Mohammed's Michelle Grinley, and this is a special podcast for a couple reasons. Uh, first of all, uh, Michelle and her husband, uh, Mike, are involved with fostering, and so that is a great topic to talk about. And then second of all, after today's podcast, I'm taking a break until late August or early September. So this will be my last podcast for a while. So Michelle, welcome. Thank you, Fred. Thank well, first so of all, how did you and your husband get interested in fostering in the first place? Sure. Um, my husband's family, uh, mom and stepdad, fostered when he was little and growing up. And so he was always interested. Um, and then um, as our life kind of develops and we only had one child of our own. And as she grew, she became very interested in fostering, too. And that's kind of when we felt the push when she started talking about it. And that's when we reached out for more information. Now, kind of as a, a prelude to this, uh, you, you and your family have had uh, exchange students for a number of years. Is that right? Yeah, yeah. So we tried that for a, a while. We've hosted nine different exchange students. Um, seven of those were at the high school level. So they're here for 10 months. They get to experience, experience a whole school year in America. Um, and two more short-term through 4-H, um, just four-week students. Um, so that was kind of a great intro for us, a soft, soft launch into the world of foster care. So how, as you look back, how important do you think that was? I mean, if that had not gone well, I, I would think maybe you wouldn't have been as interested in, in fostering. Does that sound right? Yes, that sounds right. And it, it helped us develop skills that we still use in fostering, right? Meeting someone you don't know, and they're all of a sudden living with you and how you deal with when they just annoy you and how you deal with how you say things in a way um, that can be offensive to people who come from a different background, right? Or how things we do here are so different. Um, that That's so similar to fostering in so many ways because the kiddos that come into your home come from completely different backgrounds and, you know, may not look like you or sound like you. Um, so yeah, there's definitely very many parallels between the two. How valuable would you say it was that Mike had grown up and had that experience as a child with, with foster kids in his home? Did that kind of maybe make the two of you a little more comfortable in, in pursuing this avenue? Yes. Um, he was very aware of things that happened, you know, and how, how things can go bad and this kind of thing. So that really helped us prepare for, um, you know, the, the kinds of kids that we felt like we could take in our home um, and also just what to expect. So that, that brings up a good point. So if a foster child is presented to you, do you have the option of saying yes or no? And if so, how, how does that work? Yes. So we get phone calls from caseworkers um, and they give us any details that they have about the child. Um, that are uh, relevant to the placement. So sometimes they know lots of things and other times they don't know very much depending on where the case is and how the child came into care. Um, so yes, but every phone call you get that choice, the ability to say yes or no. Um, for our family, we've kind of felt led towards older kids um, we're sort of past the baby stage in our house. Um, so we really like um, school age and above. 
Um, and so our, our workers know that, um, but we still get calls for other kiddos. We just um, are, are geared more towards the older kids. So even though you had had the experience with exchange students in order to foster, I mean, that was a whole new process in terms of, of getting registered and so on. Talk a little bit about that and then how COVID kind of uh, interrupted things uh, during that time as well. Yeah, sure. Um, so the process really isn't, it's not difficult, but they, they step you through it. But we started, um, we first made the phone call saying, yes, we're interested. We want to become a licensed foster family. Um, probably in like January of 2020, maybe December of 2019. Um, and so we had the initial visit um, where they come out to the house and just kind of look at your house and, you know, you show them the bedrooms and that kind of thing. And they um, do some measurements of your bedroom bedrooms and just um, some recommendations. For example, we have a hot tub. So like getting locks on that, um, that kind of thing. So they give you some initial recommendations and um, then you take classes. So we did ours online um, and it's called Pride, um, but there's a series of like seven classes that are like three hours each. Um, and very valuable training offered in those in those courses um and kind of while that um is happening you're filling out all the rest of your paperwork um they do background checks um we all had to get fingerprinted um and then after our classes are complete they come out to do like a final visit where they actually check everything so they'll check your water temperature they'll check your fire alarms and your smoke detectors um and then they gave a capacity to each bedroom because each um there has to be a certain amount of square footage per kid and so um at our house in particular there's one bedroom that's quite large and so if we wanted to we could have three kiddos in there if they were the right um age and gender mix um but yeah, we kind of got interrupted during COVID because we had that initial initial visit and then boom. <laughs> um, and so we got slowed down for about 18 months, I would say. And then we got back on the journey and uh, it, it was helpful to do our classes online. Uh, so so when, when did you actually get your first foster child then? So we got our license on September 12th of last year. And we had our first placement on the 27th. Um, so yeah, it was, it was quick. Um, not as quick as some people, I think. Um, but yeah, yeah. So I think one of the big, biggest differences in, in fostering and having an exchange student, with an exchange student, you pretty much have a, a start and end date. That might vary a little bit, but you roughly know that. Uh, with a foster, however, you, you don't know that, right? I mean, it could be any length of time, generally shorter, but any length of time, right? Right, right. And so um, I think one thing that people are apprehensive about before, you know, for with fostering is all the unknowns surrounding it, right? The, the length of time, the what if they don't go home? What if they um, go home soon? What if I get too attached? But yes, there are a lot of unknowns. Um, but um, for the kiddos, I try to think of it from their perspective, right? Think of, they don't know when they're going home. They live this, this life of every day, 
not knowing what's happening, you know? And so I think being able to provide some stability in that time with all those unknowns has been very, um, it's, it's grown us a lot, right? So even when they say there's court in May and the goal is return home May, a lot of times those things get extended. So it does require flexibility. Um, but as you grow and get attached to the kiddos, you, you really learn um, how valuable the role is to have some, to provide some st stability for them, I guess I would say. What is the, the most foster children you've had at, at one time? Um, four, four. And is that the maximum that you're set up for as well or? Um, well, we had an exchange student this year too. Um, so he counted as one. Um, so right now um, he went home and so we actually have one additional spot. Um, typically they, they max you out depending on your space in your house um, at six, um, but your biological children count towards that cap too. And so our daughter knocks, brings that down to five. So right now we have four and we have one open spot. Um, some kiddo, kiddos that are um, considered like specialized, um, meaning they have extra needs and they can be medical or physical or behavioral, that would count as two spots um, just because they require more care. Um, so that takes up two spots. So what, what would you say uh, is the average length of time or maybe better question, what, what's the shortest you've had a foster kid and, and the longest thus far? Um, about the shortest is about three weeks. Um, and that was kind of always the plan with her coming here. Um, and then the longest is 10 months, 10 months. So you talked about in advance, your, your daughter thought she would be on board with this. I mean, obviously not knowing exactly what it would be like now that you've done this for you know a period of time, but what does your daughter think about this and, uh, and how has it gone from her perspective? Sure. There was definitely some fatigue involved on her end, um, on all of our ends, I should say. Um, and we've learned things as we've gone through um, about ourselves and, you know, kind of what each one of us is better or worse at dealing with. Um, but she's definitely still on board. Um, she is fluent in Spanish. And so she is very interested in um, any Spanish speaking youth that may come our way. Um, Cause she's very anxious to um, build that skill and help a kiddo. Um, foster homes are, in great demand, um, Spanish speaking foster homes even more so. Um, and so that is a skill that she's hoping to use here in the future with the foster kiddos. At this point, have you had many Spanish speaking uh, youngsters or not? No, we have not. Um, we haven't gotten the phone calls. I, I don't think that they, um, they didn't wanna put pressure on Maddie to communicate only. Um, I know a good amount of Spanish though too, and they know that now. And so um, we'll see if that changes it, um, but. So have you gone, as you've gone through this, what, what are some of the hurdles that you, you've faced and, and had to deal with along the way? 
Um, I would say one of the biggest hurdles is just wait times for um, services, like medical services, especially. Um, you know, one of our kiddos really needs braces. Um, and the state said, nope. <laughs> um, and so that, I mean, that's frustrating, but then also just, you know, one of them needs some dental work and there's only one place in Chicago that's approved and it's, you know, we can't get in there till September. Um, so, so that's a big frustration and it's not something that's easily, um, resolved, I guess. I can't just change that. Um, it, but it's very frustrating. Um, I would say, I don't know. I think that's a big, oh, counseling services for kiddos. Um, Champaign County, we had a really long wait um, for counseling services, um, but we actually um, got some of our kiddos into counseling through a grant from the Muhammad Seymour School District and The Rock, it's a partnership. Um, and so that was a very excellent um, resource for some of our kiddos. It was very much appreciated, so. How would you say the experience has gone based on what your expectations were coming into it? I mean, has, did you feel like you had a pretty clear idea and it's gone that way? Or has there been a lot of changes and differences that you've had to make adjustments to along the way? Um, I was very apprehensive um, about this, just the system in general, because you hear all these terrible stories. Um, and I would say, you know, some of that is true, like I mentioned about the medical card and waiting and this kind of thing, but I have been very pleasantly surprised with um, the caseworkers and how they are really invested in the kids. Um, and that has been a comfort to me because I've, you know, I, I joined all these blogs and groups and you hear all these terrible stories, but here locally, I have had nothing but good things to say about the kids' caseworkers and um, how they really advocate for the kids. They know the kids, they know their personalities. Um, so I've been really pleasantly surprised in that way. So how difficult is it for you and your husband when all of a sudden you get the call that you know so and so has been placed and the, and you know that they'll be leaving? I mean, is that uh, <laughs> a little bit of a difficult time for you or not? <clears throat> but it's also really rewarding. We've seen so many um, parents really doing what they need to do. Um, and so, you know, kiddos returning home and, and that's where they want to be. Um, and so that it's hard, but, you know, we always say we're not going anywhere. We're still, you know, Aunt Michelle and Aunt Mike or whatever. So it's been really um, good to see, even though the house gets quiet. <laughs> now, do you, do you sometimes or oftentimes get siblings or uh, are generally are they from different families? Yeah, so um, siblings, we get called for quite frequently. Generally, I mean, most of our calls, I think, I would say 80% of our calls for, are for sibling groups. Does that work out well from the standpoint of, you know, them coming into a new home, you know, if, if they have a sibling with them or a couple siblings, I would think maybe that familiarity would, would help a little bit rather than just going into a, a new home and, and being, you know, totally alone, if you will. Yep. 
Yep, it's a big relief, especially for some of the younger kiddos who have their big brother or big sister and have had them their whole lives. You know, imagine going to a new place and without your um, parents, um, that that older brother or sister is a huge comfort. And so, um, yes, keeping them together whenever possible is, it makes it a lot less traumatic for the kids. What, what are the logistics like in terms of the family? Like if, if you and your husband want to go out and eat, but you've got, you know, four foster kids there. I mean, do you all of a sudden just buy all, you know, those four plus your daughter in the car or what uh, are you able to get a night out? I mean, how, how does that part work? Yeah, most of the time um, they're with us. Um, we do have, um, you know, pretty good family support. Mike's, Mike's parents are still here in town. My mom's here in town. And so they're able to sort of divide and conquer um, in, in some ways. Um, with us taking teenagers, it's also easier because um, it's not such a big deal for my mom or his mom. Um, you know, if we had four kiddos under five, I don't know what we would do. Um, we do do respite too for other foster parents. And so, um, you know, if a foster parent needs a break or is going on vacation, um, we'll take a kiddo for the weekend so they can sort of get away. Um, and so that would be available to us too, if we needed it. Um, we just haven't used it yet thus far. Now you had mentioned earlier that, that you always have the option of, of declining if, if you get a call and you feel like it was is not a good fit. How, how difficult is that for you personally and your husband to, to make that call and say, well, no, we just don't think this one's gonna, you know, be, be the right fit. How, how tough is that? It's pretty hard. It's a lot harder for me um, than it is for Mike. I think Mike is very much more, he tries to not think about the kid necessarily, but he thinks about our house, right? Nope, this one's not going to match Michelle because ABC, you know, we're active, we do sports, we do this. And so um, for me, I get caught up in the, but this kid is not going to have a place to go. And um, so we really have to make those decisions together and have those conversations. But it, but it's not easy. It's really not easy. So is, does it factor into the decision at all, the ages of the kids that you currently have? Like if, say you had three kids that are like 14 or 15 and you got a call for a six or seven year old, would that factor in or, you know, is that totally irrelevant? Um, it does factor in for us, but, but um, the agencies are required to call if we have an open bed. So they're going to call us no matter what. Um, and so, yeah, but we don't necessarily consider like, okay, you're the oldest, you should stay the oldest. That doesn't really play into it. Um, if, if they know things about the kid that's coming into care, like for example, you know, has had a really bad experience with older kids or, um, you know, has a lot of younger siblings, they try to like factor that in or, or think about families, foster families that would be a good fit in that way. Um, but it's not always possible. So what have the rewards been for, for you and Mike as you, you know, look back on the past, uh, the months that you've been doing this now? Um, I would say that Mike and I are a lot better at communicating with each other because we have to be, and we've learned a lot of things that we haven't had to learn before. Um, just about, you know, scheduling and communication of who's going where and what, but also the bigger issues of, you know, how we're feeling and, um, okay, I need a break, that kind of thing. Um, 
so that's been really rewarding and that's something that will stick with us. And I think it benefits us as a family. Um, also just watching the kids grow, um, you know, having a kiddo come to your house who doesn't know, um, her birthday or her phone number or her address or any of that. And just watching them grow in that way has been amazing. So as you, as you look back, you, you mentioned earlier that there's a, a shortage of, of foster homes. I'm wondering, is that because of lack of people interested in being foster parents or just because there are so many kids in the system that uh, it's difficult to, to place them all? Um, I think it's more a lack of people saying, yes, I'll be foster parents. Because even, um, there's not, I wouldn't, I guess I don't know for sure, but I don't think there's more kids now than there were before. Um, I think at certain times of the year, it kind of spikes based on the school calendar, um, you know, and teachers making those phone calls before kiddos go home for winter break or something like that or summer break. Um, but I think really it's just a shortage of people stepping up to say, hey, I want to foster. Even if, you know, families just did respite, you know, gave existing foster families breaks, that would make a big difference um, too. So, so what have you found? If, if you have an open bed, you know, how often are you likely to get a call? I mean, is it like an everyday thing or more like a once a week thing if, if you have an open bed? Sure. So we are actually licensed through a private agency, um, which is a little different than being licensed directly through DCFS. Um, I think that if we were with DCFS, we would be getting phone calls every day and we would not have any openings. Um, our, our private agency um, gets less phone calls. And so sometimes there is some overlap of that. Um, so some of the caseworkers that like know us now will say, hey, Michelle, can we borrow your bed? And I have to you know, refer them to my licensing worker and then she can coordinate. No, we sort of have a plan for a kiddo that might be going to the Grinley house. So we can't let you use that bed. Um, and so, but yes, if we were straight DCFS family, we would probably be getting calls every day um, for that extra bed. So do you plan to continue having exchange students too, or are you going to move more in the direction of, of strictly having foster children? I think we're moving in the direction of strictly having foster children. Um, Maddie is going to be a senior this year. Um, and so we decided not to host an exchange student her senior year. Um, because really with the exchange student, Maddie does a lot of the day-to-day -day work of, you know, showing them around and making sure they're okay at school and that kind of thing. So we're kind of going to let her and, you know, enjoy her senior year and, and do that. And then um, when she goes to college, I think we'll just probably continue to foster. How, how difficult will that be? Do you think for, for you two, uh, when she goes away and is not there to kind of, you know, have an extra couple uh, set, of, you know, set of hands there for you to, to have as assistance? Sure. I think it'll, it'll be difficult. I think um, we will probably um, take a break for a while too, and just kind of adjust to what the house looks like um, and sounds like, and then go from there. Um, because it does help um, a lot with the driving too. Um, you know, because if, if there's kiddos that we have placed with us that are at the high school, Maddie does a lot of that transportation back and forth. 
Um, so she helps a lot in that way. Um, so it will affect that for sure. So all in all, I mean, is this an experience you would recommend if other people are considering uh, becoming foster parents? For sure, for sure. And you know, it is what you make it and you have control of who comes into your house as far as what kiddos stay. Um, so I definitely would recommend it. It's been super rewarding and there are challenges, but not in comparison to the rewards that we've seen. Well, I've pretty well covered my questions, unless there's anything else you would like to add. Um, I don't think so. I, I, I'm happy to discuss with anybody um, who has questions or, you know, going forward, so. All right, well, we have been talking today to with Mohammed's Michelle Grinley and Michelle and Mike, her husband, have been fostering children and uh, sounds like we'll continue doing so for a while. And uh, we certainly appreciate their efforts and also we appreciate your time today. Thanks, Michelle. Thank you so much, Fred.